have a seat this morning. Well, I'll call for name takes a seat. And uh, I'll give you the disclaimer right up front since we got activity going on and people sitting down. This morning's message, moms and dads, this morning's message is an adult-only message, okay? So if you've got a young people with us, make sure you look at the outline, pull that thing out, look it over real quick so you see what we're going to talk about this morning, and you make sure you're comfortable having your young person in the room this morning, okay? That's your call, your decision, not mine, but just want to kind of give you the forewarning, the upfront, let you know what we're going to talk about. But we're going to talk about that little three-letter word that starts with an S called... Thank you. It's called sex. Yes, that's what we're going to talk about today because we're in a series, remember, that is looking at what are these, what are these uh, beliefs that the world is trying to get into our life, that the, that the world and Satan, because remember we figured out Satan is busy working and ruling out there in the world, right? What are those beliefs that Satan and the world are trying to get into our life? And, and what we're going to talk about today is that one of those beliefs that is absolutely pervasive in our culture. It is just in front of us all the time. And that's why we need to talk about it. Because at Christ Church, we're about talking about not only God things, but relevant things. Of understanding how God works in the world in a relevant way and how we need to deal with the world because of the way the world is, right? So today we're going to look at that, what, what the world, Satan, wants you to believe. And it wants you to believe that sexual purity is for prudes and losers. Right? That sexual purity is one of those things for, for you know, generations gone by. That sexual purity is one of those things that is, you know, that's just for the old fuddy-duddies. And it's for the folks that really don't have any life. It's for losers. And it's for the folks who don't get it, who don't understand what life's really about. And for folks who are just kind of living in an age gone by and just don't really get and understand what today's world is all about. You see, the culture, Satan wants you to believe that sexuality is all about themselves and getting their needs met and finding the enjoyment that they want in life. Let's look at three things that are so obvious in our culture about what the world, how this comes out and what the world uh, wants you to believe about this understanding of our sexuality, okay? The way it comes to us in the world is that the world wants you to accept that sex is only physical. That sex is only a physical thing. It's just a physical thing. It's all about just body, you know? And after all, two people can do it, consenting adults, it's okay. Why? Well, because it's just a physical thing. And after all, it's all about getting my needs met in the process, right? To prove this to you, look at the next screen, if you will. Ah, there we go. Movie just hit the theaters. What is the fundamental rationale of this movie. Well, it's kind of in the middle there. Friendship has its benefits. And of course, what's the benefit? Sex. That's the thesis of the movie, right? It's trying to teach us, culture's trying to influence and say that, well, hey, you know what? You can just have sex and just enjoy it with people and it's okay. And after all, like the title of the movie says, there's no strings attached. You see what culture is trying to get you to believe? The world, Satan, it wants you to believe that sexuality is just a physical thing 
between people and consenting adults. It doesn't matter. It's about getting my needs met. Right? Or it would come at us this way, that uh, the culture wants us to believe that um, sex between consenting adults outside of marriage is just normal. It's just the way it is. It's, nor- it's the norm. It's the normal experience of today's culture. It's just the way it is today. I mean, after all, we're today people, and, and that's the way it is today in the world, and that's what, that's what you do, and that's what young people do, and that's just the way it is. It's, it's, it's normal. So you can go to the next screen, and you can watch a TV show like that, where sexual, sexuality and expression of sex with consenting adults in that, in that particular movie or in that particular show is normal. Isn't it? Normal for those folks. And not only do you want to apply that to single people, but they want to apply that also within the covenant of marriage so you get at something like that in our culture that says, well, after all, it's even normal for married people to want to have a relationship outside the covenant of marriage. It's just normal. It's just the way it is. It's what happens. It's just normal. Or the culture comes at us the last way and tries to convince us that if we participate in the world's understanding of sex, then it will actually be for our betterment. It will make us a better partner. That if we have multiple sexual experiences with people, it will make us more experienced and better. So when you finally find that one person that we want to spend our life with, we'll be experienced and it'll just make it better for our relationship. After all, especially we guys, we've been raised in a culture that tells us multiple partners is the goal. It's good. For instance, do you know that guy? Yes, whether it's Sean Connery or Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, or who's the new guy? Craig? Is that what it is? Yeah. They're all the same because they're all who? 007 James Bond. And of course, everybody knows what does James Bond do? Hey, he's James Bond. Right? Nobody can resist the Bond. What is our culture trying to tell us? It's okay. In fact, it makes you better. Do you see where I'm driving at this morning? Do you see how culture is trying to get you to buy into a lie and trying to get you to buy into belief that says sex is only a physical thing, that sex is an absolutely just normal kind of experience in our culture, and after all, it'll just make you better ultimately. What I want you to hear this morning is that is absolutely not true. That is absolutely not true. We need to understand when it comes to looking at sex and looking at it biblically that sex has strings. There are definite strings attached when it comes to the expression of our sexuality. The best place we can probably look is in 2 Samuel uh, 13. And in 2 Samuel 13, we get the experience of a young man. And by looking at this experience and walking through what happens in this experience, we can understand how sex, when we experience that, when we express that outside the covenant of marriage, how that can destroy relationships. Okay? So let's walk through this experience. What you're going to see in this first chunk of Scripture, I believe, is you're going to see 
how there's a power in sex to blur our vision. Okay? When we get involved in sex outside of the covenant of marriage, it can blur our vision. Let's look at this guy, Amnon. It said, David had a beautiful daughter named Tamar, who was the sister of Absalom. She was also the half-sister of Amnon, who fell in love with her. But Tamar was a virgin, and Amnon could not think of a way to be alone with her. He was so upset about it that he made himself what? Sick. What's going on in this guy's life? This guy is obsessed with Tamar, right? He, he is pouring sexual thoughts into his head. He is pouring sexual thoughts over and over again into his head in an unhealthy way, in an unhealthy expression of sex about this half-sister of his, Tamar. And his vision is getting blurred, right? His vision is getting blurred, and he forgets to see who Tamar really is. His vision is getting blurred, and he can't see that Tamar, after all, is a young woman created by God, that Tamar is a precious gift of God. His vision gets blurred, and all he sees her as is an object for his lust. His vision gets blurred, and he misses the obvious. Tamar is, after all, his... Yeah, it's in the family. But he can't see it. Why? Because sex has strings. And one of the strings is there is a power involved in the expression of sex in our life outside the covenant of marriage. And it blurs our vision. And it gets worse for Amnon, if you follow along. It not only blurs his vision, but it blurs also the experience of understanding what true friendship is. So what happens to Amnon is he gets, he gets captured in this lust. And, and it says, Amnon had a friend named Jonadab, who was the son of David's brother Shimna. And Jonadab was also known, knew how to get what he wanted. And he said to Amnon, what, what's the matter? You're the king's son. You, you should, shouldn't have to go around feeling sorry for yourself every morning. And Amnon said, well, I am in love with Tamar and my, my brother's Absalom's sister. And, and Jonadab told him, well, pff, lie down in your bed, pretend to be sick. And, and when your father comes to see you, ask him to send Tamar so you can watch her cook something for you. Then she can serve you food. What's going on? You see, friendship, true friendship, and Amnon's understanding of what a friend is supposed to do is getting blurred here. Here's an important lesson. You ready? Young people, especially hear this word. You ready? When you start getting tempted and your vision starts getting blurred around the appropriate expression of sex in your life, there will always be somebody who is willing to come alongside of you and give you permission to do absolutely the wrong thing. Did you hear me? There will always be somebody who will come along. See what this guy's doing? He's supposed to be Amnon's friend. And he comes along, but notice about this guy. What did the text say about him? He's really good at getting whatever he wants. Where's the focus in his life? Yeah, we call that sin, right? Me first. He's really good at getting what he wants. He's not being a friend here to Amnon at all. He is entering in and he is helping to lead Amnon down the wrong expression of sex in his life. There will always be somebody who will come along. And that's not a real friend who helps you do the wrong thing. I had this experience in my life where I had a good, good friend of mine. We went through college together and, 
and um, uh, as I went through seminary, we were good friends together, and uh, you know we were just really close people. And uh, he got married, and uh, and then we had this conversation one night where he started explaining to me how God was leading him in a different direction than his marriage and, and the expression of his sexuality. And and I listened to him, and when it was all done, you know what I said? No. No, I'm sorry. That's, that's not what God wants in your life. I, I can absolutely tell you clearly, this is what you're thinking right now is not what God wants in your life. You are being captured by something other than God. Now, I'm, I'm sad to report to you that he didn't listen to me, and he went his own way. And, oh, by the way, his life got totally ripped apart. His marriage was destroyed, and life went in the tank for him. But I believe I was the kind of friend you're supposed to be. A friend tells you the truth according to what God says. And the truth was, hey, guess what? No, no, this is not what God wants in your life. Don't be deceived when other people come into your life and try to help you do the wrong thing. These people are not your friends. They are not your friends. Real friends help you do what's right in life. Okay? What's being blurred here is understanding friendship. It gets even worse for him. If you go to the next slide, it gets even worse for uh, for Amnon. Not only is his vision getting blurred and his friendship uh, getting bur- blurred, but he's also losing his reason, right? He's also losing his reason. Can we not get the next slide, guys, or are we locked up? They're up there scurrying around saying, oh, there it is. So re- read this text. You know, Here's the real truth. I forgot my glasses. I can't read a word up here, okay? <laughs> I'm going blind today. You're out there, right? Yeah, no. I can read that, though, okay? So here's, now look what happens to Amnon. His reason gets all messed up. So Amnon went to bed, and he pretended to be sick. When the king came to see him, Amnon said, Please ask Tamar to come over. She can make some special bread while I watch, and then she can serve me the bread. And David told Tamar, go over to Amnon's house and and fix him some food. Uh, When she got there, he was lying in bed. She mixed the dough and she made the loaves and she baked them while he watched. Then she took the bread out of the pan and put it in his plate and he refused to eat it. And Amnon said, send the servants out of the house. After they had gone, he said to Tamar, serve me food in my bedroom. What's happening? He is really making some bad mistakes under the power of of inappropriate expression of sex, isn't he? He's losing his reason. What is he thinking? First of all, he's getting the king involved in his sexual sin. What? How dumb do you have to be to get the king involved participating when you're doing a wrong thing you know the king is going to disapprove of? Then he does an even worse thing. In his blurred reason, he puts himself in an even greater position of temptation. What does he want the king to have Tamar do? Come over and bake bread. Knead that dough and bake that bread and move that body so that he can do what? Watch. You see it in the text? Watch. Any of you remember the, the, the movie Cool Hand Luke, I think it was? Cool Hand Luke, where the, you know, they're on the chain gang and they're working on the road one day. Right? They're on the chain gang. They're working on the road. You remember that scene where that really pretty young woman comes out of the house with just this little skimpy dress thing on, and it's all held together by one button? Am I the only one to watch this movie? 
Apparently, I'm the only one who remembers this scene, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. It was a great scene, right? So here's the guys. They're digging on the chain gang, you know, and raking and doing the stuff on the road. And here's this young woman, and she starts washing the car, you know? And all the guys on the chain gang are going, ooh, pop that button, pop that button, right? What's wrong with this picture? It was a great movie, but what's wrong with the picture? See, Amnon's doing the same thing. He, he's losing his reason. He's placing himself in an even greater position of temptation. Yeah, yeah, Dad, get her over here and let her, let her bake bread and move and knead and do all that stuff so I can watch. How dumb does he have to be? This is not what you do. But this is the power of sex when it's inappropriately expressed in our life. He puts himself now in a greater position of temptation. Watch out for this. Flee from this, people. Run the other way if this even gets close to your mind. Instead, Amnon sets up the experience for an even greater inappropriate expression. His reason gets blurred, and then he gets to the next crucial place. Not only is his reason blurred, but he blurs out God's word. He blurs out God's word. If you look at the next part of the text, it says, Tamar picked up the bread that she had made, and she brought it into Amnon's bread bedroom. But as she was taking it over to him, he grabbed her and said, Come to bed with me. She answered, No, please don't force me. Now, notice the next words. These are really important words. No, please don't force me. Say it with me, will you? This sort of thing isn't done in Israel. What'd she just say? No, this is totally contrary to God's word. God's people don't do this. God's people don't act this way. This is totally contrary to what God wants in life. Amnon, what are you thinking? You are not thinking about God and his word and his truth. Amnon, you have forgotten the truth of God. God's people just don't do this. It's too disgusting. You see how she answers it? What's happening to Amnon? There is a power in sex that takes hold of us when it's inappropriately expressed outside the covenant of marriage. And we forget the power and truth of God's word. And Amnon does the most horrific thing, contrary to God. Amnon is stronger than she is. He wouldn't listen to what she said. And he overpowered her. And he raped her. Then Amnon hated her even more than he had loved her before. So he told her, get up and get out. Now, ladies, you need to hear something really important this morning from your sister, Tamar. Look at this text and understand, Tamar did absolutely nothing wrong. Did you hear that? Tamar did absolutely nothing wrong. And the truth in our broken world is that there are people out there who use sex inappropriately and they go against God's word and they hurt other people 
horrifically and tremendously. And if that's happened in your life, that is not your fault. And you don't deserve that. That's simply because somebody else was captured by the sinful power of the evil one in the world. This is not your fault. And all I can tell you is that on the day if that happened in your life, or if that ever happens in your life, on that day and in that moment when this was happening to Tamar, God was crying and his heart was absolutely crushed and broken. And on the next day, when Amnon cast her away, God was right there to receive her. This is what you need to know. God is right there to receive you, no matter what happens in your life. And Tamar did nothing wrong. And God would not abandon her. What's cool about Tamar, if you look at Jesus' genealogy, right? Jesus, the Savior of the world, his genealogy. Guess who shows up in the genealogy? Tamar. God would not abandon her. Did you hear that? we got to be careful because sex has a power and that power can cause us to ignore God's word. And when that happens, it grieves. It grieves and breaks God's heart. The truth of the matter is that sex is really important in our life. It's really important in our, in our culture. It's really important in our marriages. And it is a great gift that God gives to us. And God designed us. And God designed this gift of marriage. And God designed this gift of sexuality to be expressed in marriage and for us to live in purity. This is God's design. Let's look real quick at God's design and lift up some points about the way sex is supposed to be expressed uh, in, in our culture and in our lives, right? That sex is made and we are made to be pure people. This is God's desire for us. And sex is to be expressed within the covenant of the marriage relationship. Here we see it right away in Genesis 2. It says, that's why a man will leave his own father and mother. He marries a woman. The two of them become like one. That's the sex thing. They become one. And although the man and his wife were both naked, they were not ashamed. Notice that? When Adam and Eve were together and they were in this covenant bond of relationship and they're absolutely naked with each other, it says they were not what? They weren't ashamed. You know what else is in the text? Neither was God. Neither was God. It's not like Adam and Eve got together and, and God said, Adam, meet Eve, Eve, meet Adam. Hey, you're made for each other. And they got together and they discovered this great thing in their covenant relationship called sex. And, and while it was happening, God was there going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, getting a little heavy here. <laughs> not at all. God actually created us. So this thing worked. God created us for the covenant relationship of marriage so that sex could be an incredibly good gift. God created all those nerve endings that make it work. He put them in the right places. This is what He designed because it's supposed to be a great gift, a great gift that's expressed within the covenant of the marriage relationship. That's where it belongs. That's the way He designed it. And that's where we get to enjoy it. We go wrong when we believe the false teaching of our culture that says it can happen outside of it. It can't. It's destructive. Remember what happened to Tamar? It's destructive. It's only good for us when it happens inside that covenant relationship of marriage. Let's look at the next slide, guys. 
It's there because sex in the marriage relationship helps protect and serve the covenant. If you look at Paul here in uh, 1 Corinthians, he says, Now, I'll answer the question that you asked in your letter. Uh, So you asked, is it best for people not to marry? Well, having your own husband or wife should keep you from doing something immoral. Now, stop here. What would be immoral in Paul's understanding here? Not having just one husband or wife experiencing multiple partners. You see that? Right? One husband, one wife. He says, um, husbands and wives should be fair with each other about having sex. Okay, husbands and wives, you can nudge each other right about this moment. Okay? A wife belongs to her husband instead of to herself. A husband belongs to his wife instead of herself. Now, this is important. So don't refuse sex to each other unless you agree not to have sex for a little while in order to spend time in prayer. Then Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So there's only one reason that Paul gives for saying why sex should be put on hold. And what's that one reason? Prayer. No, it's not. I have a headache. Right? And by the way, this doesn't mean for either partner and ladies, it doesn't mean when your husband comes with that gleam in his eye uh, at night and you say, oh, not tonight, honey, I'm praying. No, that's not what he's talking about, okay? What he's talking about is the two of you get together and say, you know what? Our marriage needs to have a spiritual intimacy. And we're going to achieve this spiritual intimacy if we say, you know what? First and foremost, for a while, and you set a time frame, short, for a while, we're going to focus on just being absolutely intimate with one another in our prayer. And when you achieve that intimacy, in your spiritual intimacy in prayer, your sex life becomes even greater. You get it? It's for your good. Why? Because sex is to be expressed in the covenant of marriage, in that relationship, because it protects and it serves the covenant. See what he said at the end? Then Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Partners who are sexually fulfilled don't wander. Partners who are sexually filled don't wander. That's, that's why sex is in this covenant relationship, right? Next one. It also helps us remember that it's a permanent bond. It's in the covenant because sex helps confirm the permanent nature of this covenant that we have. Jesus in Matthew 19 or in Mark 10 says, Moses gave you uh, this law because you're so heartless. But in the beginning, God made a man and a woman, and that's why a man leaves his father and mother and gets married. He becomes like one person with his wife. Then they are no longer two people but one. And no one should separate a couple that God has joined together. Sex in the covenant of marriage helps keep the permanency and the bond of our covenant relationship with each other. And it's a gift. And here's the next one. This will blow your mind. This gift... This gift is meant to not only for you to enjoy in your marriage, but to honor God, right? Look what Paul says. Don't be immoral in matters of sex. That's a sin against your own body in a way that no other sin is. You surely know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit's in you and is a gift from God. You are no longer your own. God paid a great price for you. So do what? Use your body to... You get it? When we express this in the covenant of our marriage relationship, we honor God. You know, on that day when Adam and Eve came together, God was rejoicing because he saw his precious creation experiencing part of the joy that he created us for. 
when we express that sexuality in the appropriate ways within the covenant of our relationship, we honor God. What does it mean for us? Contrary to what the world says, if you are a Christ follower, your goal and your joy should be sexual purity. Your goal and your joy should be sexual purity. Young people, listen real close, okay? There is a key word I want you to just ingrain in your head this morning. You ready? The key word is wait. Wait, 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 wait. What did I say? Wait. Wait, 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 wait. Just wait. I know it's so tempting. I know it's so easy. I know it's... Wait, 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 wait. The best possible thing you can do for yourself and for the spouse that God's prepared in your life is wait, wait. There is such a great joy in discovering sex together in the covenant of marriage when you both don't know what you're doing. Huh? It is fun. Wait. And don't miss out on that great joy that God designs into your covenant of marriage. Wait, 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 wait. It should be our goal. It should be our norm and our joy. Paul reminds us of that in uh, Thessalonians 4. I'll let you read that on your own. The last word I want to give you, though, is I know there's a reality today in this room. And that reality is not everybody in this room has lived according to what God designed, right? Especially when it comes to this living out sex in our lives and in our relationships. So I want you to hear a final word loud and clear. And I gave you all kinds of verses for you to take home in your handout today. I want you to take those home. I want you to read those. If this is an issue in your life, I want you to take those words home and I want you to read those over and over again because the word you've got to hear and the last word you've got to hear today is not a word of judgment and not a word of condemnation, but a word that says God's love for you is greater than anything you've done in your life. And God's forgiveness for you is greater and stronger. If this is a place in your life where, where you've already gone beyond what God's design is, guess what? You can get it back. God can reclaim it for you in your life. It starts by first just saying, you know what? I, I'm not living the way God wants me to live. And in one of those texts, he's going to just say, stop doing what's false. Just stop doing it. Okay? If you're in a relationship and you're expressing sexuality, stop. Just stop. Talk about it with that person. Get your vision back and start looking at that person the way they really are and decide, is this a person that I want to spend the rest of my life with? And if God leads you to that, get in the covenant of marriage and then enjoy sex the way it's supposed to be. But if you're not, Stop. And when you stop, come to God humbly and just ask Him to forgive you for this and to make your life right, and He will do it. He will do it. Because Jesus Christ came into this world to die for absolutely every sin and mistake we make in life. Not just one or two, but absolutely all of them. Jesus Christ came into the world to make your life absolutely new from this day forward. And our joy and our goal is to express and experience sex in our life the way God designed it and the joy and the purity that only He can give. Trust in the grace and the forgiveness of God. Trust in it and reclaim that purity in your life. Let's pray this morning.
Father, thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for the challenge and for the joy of knowing that you have a great design, a great plan, that you have a way that we've been created and that you have this incredible gift of sexuality that you pour into us and design into us. And so we ask this morning that you would just help us. Help us to understand that anew. Help us to get our lives in the right place according to your purpose. And in those times when somebody has has done the most sinful and hurtful things to us, help us to be renewed. Help us to be renewed. And instead, find your love constant and your strength what's able to lead us into a new future. Be with the marriages that are in this room today. Just help them to flourish and grow and be strong. Help them to know the joy. Help them to know the gift. Father, we just pray now that you would help us to not believe what the world wants us to believe, but to stand up and to stand out, especially our young people, as people of purity and people who have joy in the confidence of Christ Jesus and will live for him in his way alone. We ask it in Jesus' name.